Welcome to Prime Suspects, where we bring you an insider's look behind the counter of Prime Sports. I'm your host, Matt Landis, joined once again by Joe Brennan Jr. and Adam Bjorn. Guys, one episode in the books, two if we want to count the crossover episode you did with the Betting Startups podcast. How does it feel now to officially be a podcaster? Yeah, I, I did see the, what was it, a three out of 10 rating from BPR rating or something like that. So that's when you know you've made it. I, you know, it was funny. It was the first thing I thought of, like, well, I saw a really bad rating. It was like Joe yelled at clouds. Adam talked about his small book using the Circa model in Ohio, three out of 10. Well, the good thing is, is only, you know, can only go up from there, I would hope. So let's see. I guess. <laughs> I just like that Circa has invented everything, uh, you know, including high limit betting. Uh, let's say plenty of room for improvement, perhaps in the eyes of some. Uh, I know I might be biased, but I, I thought it was a pretty good go at a first episode. So let's look to build on it. A few of us in this group may be somewhat new to the world of podcasting, but you guys certainly not new to the world of betting. So let's dive into it with our first segment, the latest from Inside Prime Sports. And guys, when we dive inside of Prime Sports, I want to go back a bit to a panel that took place at the Global Gaming Expo, also known as G2E. Last month in Las Vegas, there was a panel that explored the question, what makes a better sharp? And for those who may be listening to this conversation might not yet be familiar with the panel, I'd love it if you could start off by describing your top takeaways from that conversation. This was the one with uh, Jack and Alex. Is that the... Yes. Okay. So I did actually attend this one. I kind of went in there with daggers ready to sort of... Because when I saw the lineup and Jack wasn't included in the lineup I saw, I did think it was a, you know a weak group to sort of bring this topic up. But at the end of the day, they actually did a pretty good job of it. I mean, ultimately the question, what makes a player sharp, even within the back room of prime sports, you know, there can be 10 different opinions of whether a guy is sharp or not. The model of being a sharp book or what we like to call it an all welcoming book is really, again, just taking a look at the bet. You know, I'm not a big CLV guy. I don't really get too much wrapped up into this that, that many do. And a lot of it, to me, is a gut instinct of just seeing their action, seeing what their edge is, seeing what they're playing real time, pregame versus live, different sports, all those kind of things. And generally, it's looking at a player that's going to significantly beat you over time is how I regard someone as sharp. And then it's a matter of how you use their information. There is a lot of people, and you know, I got a lot of pushback recently when I said 95% of the people at Bet Bash I would not regard as sharp players i think you know over the course of time maybe they break even but i believe generally that they will lose uh they will bring a lot more value to a sports book than what they will to themselves so again it's you know depending where you come from your background uh, my threshold is personally a lot higher on you know marking someone as sharp and again i think there's a lot of players that believe they're sharp or believe that they're winning that aren't necessarily long-term winners and again when i sort of speak of it it's not over the course of a bet or a weekend. I'm talking, you know, multiple seasons. You know, I've seen guys go on a tear, have a really good season, kind of mark them as one to watch for the next season, and they just completely collapse. And, you know, they bring sort of no value of, except monetary value of what they end up losing over the course of time. But again, that's, you know, each their own when it comes to that at the end of the day. Adam, one thing I heard from you there that I'd like to follow up on just a bit would be the notion of live betting or in-game betting when you're profiling customers, because I've recently heard Ed Miller making the rounds discussing his new book, Interception, 
and he's spoken with, I think it was Gina on the Unabated podcast, as well as Rufus and Jeff on the Bet the Process podcast. And it seemed like Ed was saying that for a lot of bettors, in-game can be a big opportunity. A lot of books want that action. It's one of the markets where there is maybe the most favorable ratio of liquidity to a lack of efficiency for bettors who want to turn a profit. So when you look at live betting specifically, how does that inform how you profile a customer as potentially being a sharp or square? And I 100% agree with that. Over the years, there's been times when people, bettors, ourselves realize that you could actually manipulate that pregame line to make the live betting more valuable because that's their starting point when they turn on the live with the models and algorithms, et cetera. And in that course of the first five, 10 minutes, while the book's adjusting, you know, back to what the closing line maybe should have been, you can get in some significant value bets in that time. The other aspect of it, there is no closing line value. Like there is no real understanding from the house where the value is in that spot. There is real no edge. You know, there's no way to truly profile a player except really their win-loss. And that's when it becomes situational. And that's where really good traders that are trading it are really eyeballing when the bets are coming in from a specific player and whether they've got faster feed, whether they're just reading a game better. And for me personally, again, going back 20 years, for me, tennis was the, my favorite sport to bet live because for me, I thought it was as much as eyeballing the individual's body language, you know, and how that was perceived. There was no way, real way to sort of have a genuine number. And I've always said that this is where I believe sports books that rely on models purely is where the advantage is for a player because a really good better can eyeball a game and find the weaknesses in models and see things that you can't pump into a model of, well, they've got their head in their hands, looks like they're dragging a foot, maybe there's an ankle injury. You know, there's just these aspects to it. So for a better, you know, my thing these days is if anyone says, where should I bet, get advantage, number one, live betting. And then number two, those weaker spots like boxing, UFC, tennis, goal, you know, those aspects to be able to take advantage of it. I think a recurring theme as we discuss sharp betters over time, it's probably both an art and a science to your point, Adam, not just based on models to extract as much value as possible from the marketplace. Joe, I'd love to get your thoughts as well as a driving force behind Prime Sports. What's your point of view from the sportsbook standpoint on what makes a better sharp and how that informs what you do on your side of the counter? Especially going to that talk at the conference, I think it touched on uh, something that I think it was uh, Alex Kane of Sport Trade brought up, and then Jack seconded it is sharp betting begins with you know being sharp about the price, looking for best price. And not so much that that's what makes a sharp better, but it's one of many good habits that a sharp better needs to have. Yeah, Adam's right. There are a lot more guys today that would like to say that they're a sharp better, that they're a pro, than there actually are, right? But the one thing I will say is everything that people need to become good betters, sharper betters, is out there. I mean, the, everything from the data is so much more readily available than it used to be data sets, real high fidelity, really clean data. You know, the tools, software tools, things like that, they're all out there. And I mean, most of it's free. So really it's putting the time in and the effort and learning good habits like Alex and Cat and Jack were talking about. It's just a question of how many people are really willing to put in that time and effort. And then the other thing is, I mean, Adam, you know, he's said this about himself in the past. You know, most guys who I've ever met who are truly sharp, 
at some point, especially early on in their career, they just took a beating and they really had to hang tough through that and learn the trade. And you wonder how many people actually have the stomach, the intestinal fortitude to hang in there, learn good process, assemble the tools and learn that discipline and develop the eye for finding sharp bets out there, sharp markets. And yeah, Adam says again and again, it's a, it's a culture where most people want the answers. They don't really want to ask the questions and everything's there if people are willing to ask the questions of themselves. Yeah, it takes a little bit of perseverance, a little dedication to the grind and whether somebody is willing to put in that work or not, whether sharp or square. Guys, we can use this as a transition to the water cooler because sharp or square in 17 states as of today, people can now bet at the worldwide leader in sports. The day of this recording, Tuesday, November 14th, ESPN bet has gone live. And of course, that's in partnership with Penn Entertainment, essentially a rebrand of what was formerly Barstool Sportsbook. TBD, if or how long sharp bettors are going to be welcome, but it has been determined who can and can't use the new betting app among ESPN's 5,000 employees. The company released guidelines this past Friday, basically designed, I think the headline being, to prevent insiders such as Adam Schefter and Woj from using confidential information for betting purposes. Guys, I'd love your expectations as far as how you think this is going to play out. Joe, let's start this one with you. What would you say the odds are that ESPN can indeed avoid conflicts of interest and misappropriation of insider information? That's a really good question. I, right now, for instance, we're required by states to filter out professional athletes and support staff like coaches, GMs, things like that. And then at the collegiate level, we have to filter out Division One athletes and coaches. And you've already had a couple of folks. It's mainly at the college level that have gotten their fingers caught in the cookie jar because they're trying to trade on inside information, uh, less so in pro sports. You know, that's something that we have to pay for. I wonder if ESPN and other media companies, because ESPN's not the only guys in the business, are going to get added to that feed that we have to scrub every one of our customers against every time they log in. And it's to enforce ESPN company policy, but also, you know, integrity. It's actually, it's less of a problem that, you know, Shefty and Woj are going to be out there capitalizing on their insider information. And maybe the bigger issue is, is, you know, this past Sunday was bye week. So I was sitting around just flipping around since the Eagles weren't going to be on. And I came upon ESPN bet live and there was Aaron Kate Dolan, Philly girl, and a bunch of other talking heads, instant sports betting analysts. That's become like the new growth industry people who dub themselves sports betting analysts and experts. And they're talking about their plays for the day. So maybe Woj isn't like, you know, getting the most out of, you know, tonight's NBA matchup because he knows like, okay, you know, Joel Embiid's limping again or whatever it may be. But it's more of, okay, how many of these companies are out there and have a conflict of interest because they're running programming with talking heads, giving their picks. They're doing it on all the NFL broadcasts. Everybody's now talking about it, every talking head has an opinion about it. And ESPN's just, you know, they flat out, they've got a show branded after their app where the people on air are making their picks, making their recommendations. Yeah, I I would have thought Penn would have learned their lesson by now with Barstool because they had Stool Presidente and his idiot crowd out there with their can't lose parlay picks. And how many times did those guys get hammered? They were the worst. And they were driving their loyal stoolies to bet on these markets that were absolutely crap. 
So I think that's the bigger problem is, is how does ESPN and their talking heads potentially abuse their position in the media marketplace to drive people towards markets rather than they themselves are going to you know, use inside information, make a better too. And Adam, from your standpoint, whether it is a certain use of insider information or the optics that Joe touched on, what are you going to be looking for in the coming weeks and months when it comes to ESPN as we know it, and also now the integration of ESPN Bet? Well, it's just a can of worms that they've opened up. And as much as anything, it's the misinformation that's, I guess, identified and, and criticized more. I know, again, during, I think it was the NBA draft recently or something, there was information coming out of multiple sources that had the market just going up and down and all over the place. I know the U.S. is the land of suing and, and all these kind of things. Is it going to get to a point where players say, well, these people gave me this information that sent me down a path to go and do this. You know, they cost me money, things like that. You know, I, I think now, one, the relationship, I don't believe it's going to ultimately get any kind of market share that's significant or, or make really that big a difference. Because at the end of the day, you can drive all the traffic you want there. It's going to come down to the product and the customer service. And, and again, the friction of the betters to actually get on. But yeah, they seem like they're in a can't win situation with that. And then on the other aspect of it, they've gotten so much ad revenue with the Bally's, the DraftKings, all that kind of stuff up until this point. You know, have they just obliterated that off ESPN and they're just going to be running everything bet ESPN. So now they lose that ad revenue plus driving just all the traffic to something that has to capture it and build revenue out of it that way as well. It's just, again, seems like, you know, we look at all the other opportunities that U.S. sports and that have opened up with, you know, that big major blow up of something happening. Well, now ESPN's just completely moved themselves in front of this, you know, cannon as well to potentially shoot themselves in a foot in doing it the way that they're doing it right now. All right. So to put it lightly from what I've heard from both of you, let's say the jury is out for the time being on ESPN bet. But we're starting to see a verdict come in from betters in the form of some early week action on the NFL Week 11 slate. A good slate for once. It's bookended by some marquee matchups. Thursday Night Football featuring Cincinnati at Baltimore. And then we've got Joe's Eagles taking on the Chiefs on Monday night in a Super Bowl rematch. So let's use that as a springboard into our look ahead segment. Adam, we'll lead off with you here. NFL Week 11 lines have been up for about 40 hours as of our recording right now. And I'd love to get your take with that context on how Prime Sports approaches NFL opening lines. Well, at least there's some marquee matchups Thursday and Monday. I mean, we've had some pretty horrific Thursday nights in particular to this point. This is kind of where on the contrarian side of it, I don't think opening numbers matter at all in NFL. Generally, numbers are set at the start of the year for all the games. You know, these evolve and adjust over the course of the season. There's lots of places that'll have up the week 11 before week 10 in look ahead matchups and numbers. And you sort of see different people that are betting that, thinking that something's going to happen on the weekend. And then they put themselves in a position of value after the weekend. Unfortunately for most bettors, they don't realize that obviously they have to have something, you know, go right on the Sunday after their bet before the game and all that's, you know, put into the number. So you're really doing an correlated parlay, all up parlay or something for your number to move in the right direction, depending what happened on that middle game. But yeah, for NFL, again, this is sort of where it goes back to the old school of originating numbers just doesn't really matter. All you've got to really do is put up a number and knowing, and especially on the NFL where the numbers are fairly solid when you do open them, opening them for a decent limit, 
and just letting people play. And that way, again, you know, you cause as little friction as possible in the opening of the week. It's just not as significant as it has been in the past. And again, the goal is get the number up, take a bet, start building information and go from there. And Joe, I'd love to get your thoughts here as well. I know this topic probably more in Adam's wheelhouse, but uh, that that simple approach, yeah, on one hand, it does sound quite simple, but I feel like it also might scare the crap out of a lot of other books that might be holding up a prominent share in the marketplace. So what's your point of view when it comes to price origination in such a big market as the NFL? Bring it all on. That's the thing. That's why we have a guy like Adam with us. The one thing that I will say is, so the people who have come to us early, we've had to kind of unlearn or have them unlearn some behaviors that they've learned since the marketplace, the regulated marketplace took off in the U.S. And that is, hey, you know, yeah, you can bet for the max, but you can also come back and you can hit the number again. And then the same thing with live betting. And some of these guys, you know, they come in, they hit it, and then they're like, boy, I really, you know, I, I'm hearing from them, WhatsApping me, like, boy, I really wish I could get more on this. Like, yeah, just talk to us. We can get you more. Or if you still like the number, hit it again. Oh, I can do that? Like, yeah, you can do that. And I think because the market's been really unkind to a lot of the type of guys that we're appealing to or that have come in and, and joined us early, you know, because all the subterfuge that they have to engage in, it really is something else for these guys to be able to come at any point during the week and especially prior to game time and live betting. And they don't have to do it through their, like, mother-in-law's account or anything like that. They just come straight to us and we're happy to take the action. It's just another dollar to us. Uh, and we've been really lucky in that our handle continues to really go up exponentially every week that we're open. And we still haven't even begun to really market this and push traffic Adam's way. You know, so far, so good. Just like to see a little more action through the middle of the week from some of the more recreational players. We have sharp guys that yeah, they hit it hard, especially on Saturday for college football. I'd like to see a little more now that NBA and uh, college basketball is in season here. Sounds like a case of what you see is what you get. And I'd have to imagine that's a breath of fresh air to a lot of people listening to this conversation. Guys from NFL Week 11 opening lines to some prime suspects closing lines, we can go ahead and wrap things up. A few call outs before we put a bow on this episode. You can register for Prime Sports at primesports.com or download the Prime Sports app. And we'd love it if you could follow Prime Sports on Twitter at Prime Sportsbook. And we'd welcome you to message us there with any questions or segment ideas. We want to make sure that this show is as valuable as possible to you, the audience. So please reach out again at Prime Sportsbook if you have any thoughts or questions. You can also follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Brennan Jr. And you can follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Bjorn too. You can find links to all of the above in the show notes. Last but not least, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right back here on Prime Suspect. You must be 21 or over to play on Prime Sports. Always bet responsibly and within your limits. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.